You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first episode of a new series I'll be producing here on Nighttime. Let me start with a bit of background. Since launching this show, now nearly seven years ago, I've set out to highlight and explore the more fascinating and the lesser-known Canadian people, places, and events. During the show's history, I've tried to accomplish this in a variety of ways. I've done some documentary-style episodes, episodes that were based around interviews, I've hosted regularly scheduled live call-in shows, and, of course, I've dabbled in deep-dive multi-parters. Well, in this new series, I plan to mix all those styles together and set the show's focus specifically on current events. But not any current events. This series will be both an exploration and a celebration of all the weird, unique, and unusual stories that have been unfolding over the prior week. To help me out along the way, I've invited my good friend, bandmate, and an all-around great guy to co-host the series with me. You've met my pal Aaron in some prior episodes. We collaborated on the episode covering the Big Ben's murder, Tanetta, the coyote attack of Taylor Mitchell, and a bunch of others. So he's not going to be a stranger to any regular listeners. You know, in a similar vein to my series covering the Nova Scotia mass shootings, our discussions will be recorded during a live stream on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So if you want to join us, we'll be doing these every Tuesday night at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 9.15 Atlantic Time. And then the podcast version will be released a day or two later. And also, similar to my series covering the Nova Scotia mass shootings, to prevent the podcast feed from getting too gummed up by this series, I plan to just keep the last two or three episodes available here on the free feed, but all prior episodes will become permanently archived and will always be available on the premium feed. So let's get into it. Tonight, in the first entry in the Keep Canada Weird series, Aaron and I are going to look at some of the more interesting Canadian stories from the last week. We're going to talk about racist hockey, stolen pet food, UFO politics, and a crappy husband. Aaron, it's time to keep Canada weird, buddy. You feel up to this? Yeah, well, I mean, I I think Canada stays weird on its own. It doesn't need our help. Yeah, I guess we can stoke the flames a little bit, though. Could use it. Well, just, I don't think it's stoking. I think it's just celebration. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We're we're not here to make things weird. We're not here to stoke the fire. I guess we're just gonna like sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Just just you know, casually watching from our window as the neighborhood children run wild in the streets. <laughs> yeah, um, Canada is a weird place, though, and that's why I thought this series. Uh, that's what, kind of part of the reason I thought this would be a good idea is there's so many cool weird stories that they just don't make themselves known they stay stay localized like being um we're both from cape breton and there was always these like bizarre stories that would play out in the local paper in cape breton but no one else in the world would hear about it or believe it you know even if you told them and those kind of stories happen all across the country so i kind of thought it and i should also say a lot of those stories there's just not enough to it for me to make a full podcast episode so by us taking you know a collection of the interesting stories from the past week like i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about 
I hope so, yeah, or else this thing will sink very quickly. Yeah, that's going to get bad if we run out. But I'll tell you, like, coming up with, even just for tonight, like, the way I, I picture this going, and we're going to do this every Tuesday night at 9.15 live on YouTube, then it'll be a podcast episode shortly after. But again, we'll do it once a week on Tuesdays, and we're just going to kind of grab uh, a, a few stories from across the country and talk them out. That's kind of the plan. Uh, when picking out the episode, the stories for tonight, I had a lot to choose from, um, but I, we narrowed it down to probably, I guess, four or five stories. But before we get into them, let's start with a bit of an introduction. You've been on the show before. I think we've probably done close to maybe five or so episodes, but why don't yeah, you... Yeah, maybe uh, yeah, a handful, maybe between five and seven, maybe. In that ballpark. Tell us a bit about... Mm -hmm. uh, about yourself though aaron before we jump in oh uh, well you know you and i've been uh friends for a long time uh i think our offbeat kind of taste in things connected us early on as soon as we met um yeah we played music together is how we kind of started but we kind of became fast friends when we uh like to get up to shenanigans as friends do together yeah, we've certainly gotten up to some shenanigans. You're in. You're based in Cape Breton, my old stomping grounds. Mm -hmm. And you have a background in theater and podcasting. You had your own show for a while there. I had my own show, yeah. I slugged it out for about a year and uh, gave up on that because mine was, it was kind of an audio drama podcast. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit uh, too time consuming for me in terms of the production values that had to uh go into it so um it wasn't realistic to have a regular life and to do that at the same time so yeah i know all uh, about that but yeah so. my the difference with our shows is um when i had mine or with mine it's so much just like discussion and there's not as much work that goes into an episode but you were doing like full radio productions with sound effects and everything else so it was just uh Oh yeah, and it was and and you're a one person team as you know, so it was like from writing the scripts to casting to directing to sound production, like the whole thing just fell on my back. And then at first it was cool, but then after a few months, I was like, I can't keep up with this. This is this is something that usually a production team puts together. So um yeah so i i did a, i did a solid year on it and then threw in the towel and uh, decided to to move on to other things so yeah that, that was that well let's uh let's get into it here um we have a collection of stories that we chose and i sent them to you in advance where should we start with this i, I kind of tried to go across the gamut so we have ones that are just bizarre i have a story that is I guess controversial, but at least something that I, I think we're both going to have big opinions about. Mm. I have one that's just straight up hilarious. And yeah, then one that's kind of yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Should we save the sad one for the middle, maybe? Yeah, let's let's uh, bookend the sad one. Let's start with um, Let's start with the one that I think uh, people may have strong opinions about. This is the hockey one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hockey PEI, I think it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll read you a bit of an article because this is a 
CTV summed it up pretty well. Um, the the headline of the CTV article is PEI hockey player fires back after suspension for social media post about racism on ice. And I should say, like, I'm not, I'm not a big hockey fan, and I I know you well enough to know you're not either. But well, hold um, on, how do you? <laughs> I've never heard you mention let's, hockey. Let's, well, I guess that would be a good clue. But do you think it's do I not come off as someone who would like hockey? Or you don't seem it? like you could handle the game. Ah, well. <laughs> no, you seem like the type that uh, in the 20 years that we've been close, you, it would have come up once. Like people who like hockey, they don't just like it. It's like it becomes a part of their personality. They're curious, intelligent, and like hockey. Like that's how you would describe someone. I would yeah, just, If yeah. I had to list like a thousand characteristics about your personality, I would never be like, and likes hockey. Yeah, well, what if I were to put egg on your face and turn my camera around and you see all the hockey posters in my room? Um, well, let's just tell me what you're thinking. Do you like hockey now? <laughs> uh, hockey is actually one of the few sports that I would watch. Like, I don't watch sports, really, um, unless it's fake, like wrestling, because um, I've always preferred my athletics to be scripted. But, um, and hockey isn't, so it doesn't fall into that category. However, um, of all the games that I have watched over the years, and there have been times when I have been into hockey, because hockey I find to be the most exciting of all the sports. Yeah, I, I don't mind watching hockey, but I'm not like uh, one of those people who will see someone be like, oh, the Bruins last night, you know, like those types of where you carry on like kind of social, uh, stuff around hockey uh but i'll watch it especially yeah, in this playoffs yeah. yeah but getting to the this article one thing that's like a kind of issue within hockey is one is i know violence on ice is a talking point and kind of the opinions on should there be violence on ice like should they allow fighting and stuff i know that's changed a lot from mm. when we were kids there's more discussion about it like i remember being a kid and you would watch um we'd have like VHS tapes that was just all like hockey fights and big checks and stuff like that. And yeah, it was such a yeah. part of the game. It would game. be like on those like uh, blooper Don VHSs. It would be like the 99 bloopers of the year, but then it would also just be like 200 clips of fights. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's I, as a kid, I remember seeing that as like exciting and like, wow, this is nuts. But as an adult, especially as a parent, I have a whole different opinion. I took, uh, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but my, I won tickets to the Halifax Mooseheads, which is the local hockey team. I won mm -hmm. two tickets to go see them. And my oldest son, who you know well, he's uh, very sensitive and not a violent, aggressive person at all. He had never been to a hockey game. He's not into sports. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to take you to a hockey game. Like, this will be fun. We'll get, you know, a drinks and popcorn or whatever, and we'll sit and watch the hockey game. He was so excited because he hears people at his school that, you know, have tickets and go to the Mooseheads games. He's like, oh, this is going to be great. And we, I, I take him. This is when he's like seven. And we get into mm. the Coliseum or whatever it's called, the arena. Not the Coliseum, <laughs> the arena in <laughs> <laughs> the Roman Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. I take him there and it's just some lying, eating a Roman. And it, was, yeah, it was very distasteful. <laughs> but anyway, we get into the arena and he's just blown away at how big it was. Everyone's screaming. They have flags they're doing the wave. And I was like, as it's going, I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like my son is loving this. We're having a great time. And then like at probably the beginning of the second period, um, a fight breaks out. And two players like drop their gloves. They're pounding each other. Everyone around us 
at this point immediately goes from sitting down watching hockey to like standing up seemingly all, it just became drunk with like rage all of a sudden like screaming mm. like kill that mother you know that sort of stuff and yeah, my son yeah. like i looked he was horrified he had never seen mm. like that kind of violence let alone all these adults around us screaming encouraging it and he wanted to leave um so we once the fight was over and everyone calmed down he was almost crying and we like left the arena and after that i was like they shouldn't have fighting in hockey if they're going to let kids i think there. one of the main reasons that they started to regulate that more was because they wanted to make sure that it was uh something that a younger demographic could watch and that was one of the, the barriers to it um, really oh so... i wish i wish i was involved i would have loved to tell like someone important that story because that that bothered me and i'm not one that shies away like i love like martial arts and ufc and stuff but I, it the difference is in like ufc or martial arts it's um that's a part of it and that's what you're going for but in this case the fight in that hockey game it just seemed out of place from the game that he was expecting to see I should I should have probably just prepared him. I I never even considered that that would happen. Um, so that's it's partially my ignorance. I think it was just probably the unexpected chaos that mm -hmm. of of that that probably spooked him. If he was probably going in expecting that, it would have it would have uh, been oh yeah this I'm used to seeing this on TV. Maybe this is kind of the thing. But I agree, you know, like I, I don't want to see it, yeah. you know, myself. I don't want to see violence i want to see the, the puck go back and forth as much as possible and uh you know and and I, again i don't know enough about hockey to say what i want to see but yeah um well, i just admitted it i know very little about hockey. there busted well let's get to the story so violence in hockey is an issue as is racism in hockey um is something that comes up a lot in in PEI, it kind of reached a boiling point. So I'll get back to reading the article. So again, the headline was PEI hockey player fires back after suspension for social media post about racism on ice. And I'm going to read some of the article on the ice. Keegan Mitchell considers himself to be a tough player who can score and stick up for teammates, but it was taking a stand off the ice that got him suspended from the game. He loves possibly for good. In a junior B game between the Sherwood Metros and the Kensington Vipers on December 17th, Mitchell said an opposing player made an anti-Asian comment to one of his teammates. Mitchell was later suspended two games for slashing that player with a stick, who received the same two-game punishment for his alleged comment. And for people who don't follow hockey, slashing is like a penalty you get if you hit someone with your stick. So it sounds mm -hmm. like one player on the Kensington Vipers said to Keegan, Keegan Mitchell's teammate and some said some sort of anti-Asian comment that led to Mitchell hitting him with a stick. Both players got a two-game suspension. This happened back in December, but things pick up again shortly. So Mitchell wasn't happy with that convict that uh, suspension. I don't think it was inappropriate, or I don't think it was an appropriate suspension, is what he claimed. But mm. eventually, what happened is he heard, I guess, through the grapevine that the um he didn't know initially about the two game suspension for the other player i think he assumed more was going to be done he heard through the grapevine that it was a two-day suspension only and that led him to speaking out on facebook about how much he disagrees with the player who made the anti-asian comment getting the same two game suspension he got for slashing and i'll paraphrase some of his 
message because his his Facebook post is really long, but I'll, mm. I'll read a little bit of it. But this is his own words, paraphrase from his Facebook post. It says, for those of you who know me personally or through hockey, I'm almost absolutely certain you'll recognize me as someone who stands up for themselves, but more importantly, for my friends and my teammates. It's something I've always done on and off the ice and something that I'll do for the rest of my life. In a recent game on December 17th, I stood up for a teammate slash best friend slash brother in response to a racist slur against him. And I received a two game suspension for what was for what was said to be slashing during the game. The racial slur was said to my teammate heard by another teammate told to our coach told to the ref and then brought to the attention of the other team's coach and player who stated the words I will not repeat right now. In the following days, I received notice of my two game suspension and was made aware that my teammate was completing a form to send to hockey PEI, which is the body who oversees hockey and PEI organized mm -hmm. hockey about the racial slur for it to be dealt with on an official level. What preceded was a zoom meeting several days later with my teammate and a separate one with the other player about the incident. Then today on January 5th, it's come to my attention that the player who spoke in a racist manner was suspended only two games for his disgusting actions. If hockey PEI took these scenarios as seriously as they say they do, this player would have been suspended appropriately. So my question is when is, and he tags hockey PEI, when is hockey mm -hmm. PEI going to start taking all racist slurs and comments on the ice into consideration for penalization? A two game suspension for a racist slur is disgraceful. Hockey PEI, and he takes him again. When are you going to wake up and realize that this pitiful suspension is making the whole community look racist? So we hear him call them out. Um, I don't think anyone really would have expected them to respond the way they did. And I guess people who are members of Hockey PEI and organized hockey and PEI agree to a social media policy that involves not speaking negatively against the organization or the key <laughs> players. Uh, yeah. What what they did was they sent him a letter basically banning him for life from taking mm -hmm. part. What do you think of this? I think that's like when they're sitting down and looking at the situation, like, yeah, you have a policy, which the policy to me sounds like, is it happening so much that people, players are speaking out against you? But I don't know. I, I don't know enough about, what goes on there with, 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 you know, locally in PEI, like with, with, with hockey, but yeah, well, I think every, like, like you're using so many... your common sense about how to respond, like you don't have to just follow your blanket policy. You know, you mm -hmm. can, you can use your judgment to say, okay, we have a policy that, that, that states that people shouldn't, players shouldn't speak out against the organization. But in this particular circumstance, like if we, if we ban this player for life, how is that going to make us look like who is the, the public relations individual that thought like, no, oh, suspend him for the rest of his life and uh, nothing, nothing will come of this. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. If you were a PR person, how it seems like he's giving them the opportunity by calling them out publicly, they could a react the way they did and be like, you're banned forever because of this rule that you probably don't even know about. Because uh, who pays mm -hmm. it? Like a hockey player is going to pay attention to this code of conduct for members. Yeah, but, anybody, uh, uh, any, any, any terms and conditions, I just scroll right to the bottom yeah, and click accept. Exactly. So they could react to it the way they did. The other option, they could use this situation as kind of a, a launching point to show that they're taking it seriously. And 
I don't know, and, you know, it just makes something happen. It seems like what they did was double down on kind of the, like the, the worst part of this story. It's almost like mm. we were right. We gave him a two game suspension. It was one anti-Asian comment. Like that's kind of like their response. You're yeah, banned forever. Yeah. Like you can't be, te- you can't be writing about this stuff on Facebook, buddy. But yeah, I, let's get to the real issue here, and that's your social media conduct. That's yeah, the you only thing that it. we care about. Yeah, yeah. you breached it, and that hurts us. <laughs> yeah. Um, his the support he has is completely un- unanimous. If you look at oh, anything about this, yeah, <laughs> anything that's posted about this, everybody underneath is like, they're ridiculous. What are they thinking? And I don't believe they've made any statements about it. Uh, the only thing I with every story though i should say there's there's often more to the story and one thing i noticed is um he shared a copy of the letter he got banning him from taking part in hockey pei and in the letter one line stood out to me as being like i didn't see that mentioned anywhere else is it um it said that the other team like the team whose player allegedly made this anti-asian statement it's uh, i think they were called the kensington vipers it said um we are aware that the kensington vipers are considering legal action against you and i'm and i'm thinking oh, like okay. is that like i i wonder that that statement i don't know what in reading the article i don't know what it could relate to are they saying libel or slander or like charging for assault for slashing the person i don't know but it seems like there must be more to it from hockey PEI's point of view, but on the surface, we know his story and the way they responded according to him. And it seems, um, I don't curse, but I will say it sounds like BS and you know what that is. Well, that's not, that's not cursing. It's just two letters. Yeah. But it will in your brain, it embeds the curse. Uh, to me, it means Bobby and Susan. Okay. Well, it's some serious, um, Bobby and Susan. It's, it's crazy. And it's, um, an organization, whether it's a big bank or a government division or even like an organized hockey group, if if they don't take things like racism, like allegations of allowing racism to happen seriously, then mm-hmm. uh, they they need to get with the times because um, this does not make hockey like PEI look good. Couldn't they have just reached out to? the player um and say listen we're investigating this and we you know we we want to get the whole story until then can you uh take down the post um and uh we'll kind of get to the bottom of this and then you know don't worry we're still working on it or whatever to kind of jump to ban the player for forever life just yeah. seems like to be like, we don't want to talk about it. Ban this player and uh, let's just run away from this. Yeah, someone in the chat says it's always a mistake to ban kids forever. And <laughs> yeah, that seems right. So let's move on to do you want to get into the world of politics in terms of um, new political parties? Or do you want to get into politics in terms of some politicians are shitty husbands. Now let's do the husband one. Um, <laughs> this is I'm uh, interested to get your take on this one, and uh, well, yeah, I want I want to hash this one out. My take on this one uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you've probably seen the heard about this tweet or saw it being covered because it's 
basically gone viral. So the the fool responsible for this is a guy, his name is John Reyes, I believe is the pronunciation. He's an MLA in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, his Twitter profile mm -hmm. says he's the MLA for Waverly, Minister of Economic Development and Jobs, former small business owner, family man, proud veteran, Winnipegger, Manitobian, and Canadian. Um, so he does say he's a family man, but I would say based on what I know about his uh, relationships within his family, he's, I don't know. I don't know what I'll say, but here's what he did is he made a tweet and I'm assuming that this tweet was to show support for frontline workers, uh, but it sure backfired. The tweet is, oh, a, yeah. it's a, it is a photo obviously taken out of an upstairs window of a woman shoveling snow. And his tweet says, even after a 12 hour night shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy to shovel the driveway. God bless her and all frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. So before we get into the reaction this tweet gets, what, what do you think he was going for? I, I think he was going for like, you know, she gets home after a 12 hour shift, sees her out shoveling is like, oh my God, she's unbelievable. You know? Um, if you didn't know the reaction that tweet got, would you be supportive of that kind of message or would it have immediately made the hair on your, well, what I would have you? suggested to John race, however you say it, uh, don't post that mm -hmm. is what I would have said to, to John because, um, uh, I'm I'm someone I don't I don't like to to post things on social media, but uh, because again, like you can have the best intentions of a post, and then all of a sudden it blows up into something like this, and yeah. uh, it's gets totally kind of taken a different way. It can look a different way, you know. It's it's uh, yeah. and again, I would have said, yeah, I want you to go down offer to help her and then take a photo. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you some of the reactions because my favorite part is so there, there's this kind of idea on Twitter called getting ratioed. And what that is, mm. is you look at the amount of likes a post have. So if if his post when he made that has say a 1000 likes, if the replies to it have more likes than his post, that means that people are in the comments like bashing him. Uh, mm. And in this case, he got ratioed like as bad as you can. So what people were doing were it, just to read some uh, things that I saw in there. First thing that I noticed was uh, very quickly someone updated his Wikipedia entry for his uh, political whatever, you know, politicians have a Wikipedia entries uh they in the very beginning they added and they posted a screenshot of this in a twitter reply to him uh his his wikipedia entry now says john reyes is a canadian politician and member of the legislative assembly of manitoba serving as manitoba's special envoy for military affairs and then the new line added is he is apparently unable to shovel snow and makes his healthcare wife wife do it after a 12-hour shift while he takes pictures from inside then uh, yeah. one of the and anyway there's a bunch from there there's a ton of memes that people made one is uh, that i really like shows uh it shows a man looking out a window and he's like drinking a coffee and he has like a bath robe on looking very mm -hmm. comfortable it's a photo of that and then they have the caption i should take a picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw that one yeah do you remember any good. of the ones that you saw that made you uh chuckle 
There was there was one that I saw um, a meme where it was like because um, he says, "Oh, I should make her." I someone what does he say? Something something about breakfast. I should make her breakfast. Yeah, I should make her time to make her breakfast. There's a picture of a burnt toast. Yeah, her breakfast burnt burnt toast. Yeah, mm. I saw a lot of people made fun of that, saying like, "I wonder what kind of pop tart he's going to grab for her." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what? Like, um, pop tarts are really good, and so are its cousin, toaster strudel. No, I, I, I'm uh, toaster strudels all the way. Um, well, I toaster s- strudel is is better than pop tarts, but I'm saying that like. If someone offered me a pop tart or toaster strudel, I'd be like, "Oh, that's good." Um, another th- another one that I liked was a meme where it just shows it's the same photo he posted, and it says uh, of like her shoveling, and it says "What you can't hear," and then in small letters, it's just like her, like Jesus, John never comes mm. home and never shoveled anything, and that's yeah, that's good yeah. too, because even just the look of that photo. Um, one little thing that that did come out of it, though, that was also interesting is. Uh, oh, is this she, about the tennis thing? No, well, this is her coming to his defense. Did you see this? Oh yeah, I did see this. Yeah, she she made a Twitter account mm-hmm. just to, and her only post was, "I just really wanted to shovel" or something. Like yeah, that. she came to his defense saying, "Like, I just really wanted to shovel," and then the people responding to her <laughs> was the same kind of thing. Like, people were were kind of like ripping into. Uh, into into her account and having a bit of fun with the replies like some saying like john needs to just give her her phone back as if it's like it's him Mm. doing it (laughs) but she joined she joined twitter has follows one person which is him and made one tweet that was all i wanted to do was was shovel uh hers also i think she's also getting ratioed if, if it is actually her um yeah yeah yeah, give her back her phone, says Rex Chapman, who is, I think, a CBC journalist, is even in there mm. having fun. Um, yeah. Someone else. And as res- long as it stays, like, a, something like this is like, have as much fun with it, you know, as you want. As long as, like, they're not actually, you know, getting into these people's lives and actually, you know, causing any kind of trauma. Well, or it was like covered that. like by the international news. So they it kind of, they kind of did one person. Uh, mm. I'm just laughing because I'm looking at responses to her tweet. Someone says maybe the choice was shovel snow or go inside and be with her husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Like everybody should always, get a second set of eyes on anything they're about to hit post on i think Mm. um especially a a politician especially someone in politics like just take a look at it and be like oh i'm gonna post this but i'm like i'm gonna check it first with you know someone and say hey is this something that's going to get me completely um in the international press yeah, yeah, the international. Any, this is going to get me any negative attention. I don't know. It's just, just put the phone away and you know, and open the window and say, "Do you want me to help or do you want toaster strudel?" You <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's something. I don't know what he was thinking, but that's a. Uh... That's one of my favorite stories of of the week. Uh, I had a lot of fun going through the Twitter replies. Anyone who who hasn't, if you go on Twitter and find John Reyes' account and just go through the re- replies, it is uh, there's some good comedy happening in there. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is kind of it's it'll stay entertaining as long as it's again just people having fun with it, you know, because it's so reasonable. We, well, it's we don't know what their lives are really like. Like maybe you know. 
we, we it's just a tweet like you know to to completely take somebody's character and 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 flatten it over one tweet is something that you don't want to see unless it's a really really bad tweet yeah guess, good but. point yeah but it, yeah it, it yeah. can get that bad i've seen tweets uh yeah it that. certainly can um this one i think can stay in the in the lighthearted section hopefully okay good um but hopefully you know he actually did maybe he went down and helped her shovel or maybe she said don't come down here i just really want to shovel who uh, really I need wants to blow to off shovel. some stress you know like there could be a ton of context that we're not really getting um that happened before and after this tweet yeah so i just let's I, hope that it's that it's that there that that's what happened yeah let's hope so although i've never been so stressed that i'm like i just want to go shovel go for a walk oh i have Really? You just like stress I, I've shovel? declined help. Yeah, I've declined help to shovel all the time because like once I start shoveling, like I want to be the one that finishes it. I there's a certain like physical exertion about it that it it, it is. It's like so satisfying. Like and there's so many times where I'm like, you know what? Like just I don't I don't want help shoveling. I'm in the I zone here. Start and finish this driveway. Uh well, I have a snowblower and it's um it's it's there's no real physical exertion, but I find it so satisfying. Oh, Unless it's, it's not it's, cold, it's incredibly satisfying. But just walking through, like, and it's just this rumble, the white noise, the snow going exactly where I want it. Mm. I hate shoveling. It's like it kills my back. Oh, I I'm love it. Not, I'm not I, I have one it. of those. I have one of those scoop shovels. So it's like you know one of the big push scoop ones. Yeah, and, my dad uh, used to kick butt in the driveway with those. Oh, I've been I've grew I I've grown up on them because my you know my dad's driveway it's a very big, long driveway and I used to do that thing alone with a scoop and uh, yeah I love it. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found something you enjoy. Um, let's move on. So we got so the first story I wouldn't consider the hockey one. I don't consider that weird. I just consider it like kind of an interesting issue just to discuss. This one with John Reyes, I think it's weird simply because it's, I think it's hilarious. Um, it's funny. From here, we got, a, we can either go take one path towards kind of sad and depressing or a path. Now's toward... the time to do the sad one for sure. Okay. And not sad because anyone got hurt or died. Uh, it's sad because. And I, I don't understand this, but the Nova Scotia SPCA was broken into and robbed. Yeah, it was the Dartmouth one, I think. The Dar yeah, let, Dartmouth, yeah. Let me SPCA. Yeah, um, the Dartmouth branch of the Nova Scotia SPCA. I think exactly. Yeah. Let yeah. me read you an article to sum up this story, um, and hopefully by sharing this story, it'll encourage people to either volunteer at the SPCA or offer a donation or something. So that's maybe the best that'll come of this. So the headline of the CBC article is Nova Scotia SPCA is seeking donations after thieves steal animal food and beds. This article is from uh, January 7th. The Nova Scotia SPCA is turning to the public for help after the theft of several crates of dog and cat food from its Dartmouth shelter just before Christmas. Now they're quoting someone. When you lose a quantity of food that size, it hurts, said Sandra Fleming, a director of animal care for Nova Scotia SPCA. F Fleming said a large stock of dry and wet food is stored in a shed behind the Dartmouth sh shelter. And on December 23rd, someone broke in and stole most of their inventory. It was a significant hit for us, she said. We've, been, we've had the building back there for five or six years and we've never had concerns. 
The SPCA feeds 6,000 animals per year across the province and receives no government fun funding. Fleming says they're asking the public for monetary donations. We can't, we can't feed a lot of donated food to our animals because they need that continuous diet, Fleming said. We can't feed them different bags of dogs and cat food all the time because it upsets their stomach and it can cause all kinds of issues for us. She said the people who want to help make a financial donation to the organization can do so through the organization's website or by texting SPCA to the number 41010 and donate $20. Due to the pandemic, the organization is asking people not to stop by in person at this time unless they're hoping to adopt a pet. Uh, it goes on from there, but we get the gist of it. Who would steal? Like, I know dog food's not cheap, but who would steal like dog and cat food? That's like robbing like a church or a children's hospital or something, it seems. Well, hopefully the person who did steal it, it's to feed an animal. <laughs> but it sounds it's, like it's a lot of food. It's like crates of dog food. I'm thinking someone bought it and resold it. That's possible too. I'm just kind of in my heart, I'm hoping that the food went i mean eventually it does i guess but i'm hoping it's going to uh someone who can't afford food for their animal that's kind of the only way to to think about it right now because it's just like it's hard to excuse the pun but it's hard to digest why yeah <laughs> um and i never thought until i read the article i never thought of this is the spca um, it says like they can't accept food donations because when you have like a cat, you have cats. When you when you have a pet, they get like their food that's their regular mm. food, and you can't change it up all the time because they'll get like digestion. No, problems no. Stuff, when right? you when you switch a cat to new food, you have to do it, and I assume it's probably the same with dogs. You have to do it gradually over time by mixing it in with the current food they're eating. And then that way you slowly over several weeks transition them to the new food. Mm -hmm. So if that animal were to run out of that food and immediately be switched over to a different food, it's very upsetting for them. Yeah, I guess that just makes it hard for like the SPCA because they probably get so many people donating like food, but it's not like that. They, need, they can't like... just use that food. No, like they need to use the money. I mean, you know, they, they do take food donations in other ways. Like I know when I go to the pet store, um, I think it, I go to pet value and at the register certain times of the year, you know, they'll have cans of food, like the wet food mm -hmm. um, that you can purchase and donate to, uh, but that might go to the feral society. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, either way, but this is a that's a big hit because it's it's a certain kind of food that they will likely need to buy. It doesn't sound like it's a little bit. They refer to it as crates of food, and it's basically like their inventory was just like yoinked. And I I do think it was for resale. I can't imagine again getting to the idea that your animal needs a certain type of food or or prefers a mm -hmm. certain type of food. If there is someone out there who needs to feed their animal, they would steal like they would go to and, and they're desperate. They would like go to Walmart and like steal the kind of food that they feed their dog. Not like I need yeah, a maybe. year's worth of just whatever yeah. I can get. And the only reason that it that I kind of because they they said in, in one of the interviews I read, um, the manager of that branch said the reason that we never 
called the police or went public before about this robbery was because we're hoping that the person who stole his food is is because oh. they can't afford it. Yeah, I'm actually just reading a bit further in the article. The next line is that Fleming talking again. Fleming said they didn't contact the police and are not looking for the perpetrator because they feel it was an act of des desperation. If someone's yeah, stealing yeah. animal food, we hope it's because they need it, not they're like they're going to do something like sell it. Um, yeah, maybe that's just wishful thinking. We got a live call here, and let's see what's going on. All right, let's take it. Hey, caller, are you responsible for the theft of food from SPCA? <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I think uh, I think I know who this is, though. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, this is Donnie. I'm calling from Sydney. Donnie from Sydney. Um, how's the bookstore doing, Donnie? We're doing good. We're, you know, it's January, so we're, we're taking some time now to uh, chill out a little bit. Spend a little more time with the regulars, do a bit of inventory. Yeah, you you uh, run on paper books on Charlotte Street. So I guess everyone gets kind of like a retail hangover right after Christmas. So yeah, I guess January would be a different kind of month for your type of place. Uh, let me ask you this. So we've been talking about a few stories here. We got the theft yeah. of, of goods from SPCA. We got the horrible tweet. Um, what, you got any comments on this stuff? My, my theory with the, the, with the pilfered animal food because like if you rip off dog food and cat food from an SPCA, even if it's like a one day supply, it's gotta be like five hundred pounds of food, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no way that's a personal use. So my my bet is that they sell it back to them. For like you know, fifty cents on a dollar. Ooh, yeah. Like you, they should like SPCA should be looking at who their supplier is. Well, you know, it sounds like an inside job. Like they're going to get a note that's like, <laughs> listen, you know, you're going to get these donations to a place of food. We'll just sell you the food back for half of the cost. And it's the kind you want. It's already in if crates. Well, that's an interesting theory. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk about that off air, Donnie. Uh, thanks for calling, buddy. I hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Um, I didn't know Donnie well, was such an investigator. Did he all but admit to the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he did it. Yeah, he's hoping... <laughs> it seems like he's in on it with the SPCA is what I got out of that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he just completely admitted to the whole thing. Um, we got to the bottom of it pretty quickly here. I disagree with his... Uh, I disagree. Oh, with yeah, he's pretty off at the mark there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's move on then. I got it. So this this next story I want to tell you about, uh, I don't know if you know much about this. I may have just kind of um, teased it to you this morning because this really came out of nowhere. Uh, so let me tell you the story of how it came about. And then we're going to very quickly dive into the story. So mm -hmm. I have a like a Facebook group that I'm a moderator for, meaning when people try to join the group, I see that, you know, it's a real account and I let them join. Or if they make a post, I can see the post before it becomes public so I can make sure they're not trying to sell uh, bitcoins to people or links to porn sites. Yeah, or something. yeah. You're just a kind of a, you know. An overseer, a babysitter. Uh, or I call it like a big deal on Facebook in the UFO. You're a big deal, yeah. In yeah. the UFO group. Um, that's so, what I call you too. Whenever <laughs> uh, whenever I'm not around you, I call you the big deal. On the Yeah. So um, the group's called UFOs Above Canada. 
and it, it's a spin-off group from a series of episodes I had about the UFO topic in Canada. The See, I always thought that you started the UFOs Above Canada Facebook group, but you didn't? No, I started it and I'm the moderator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Me, there's a few of us. Um, Jason Newman is a guy from Newfoundland and he kind of leads the moderation, but I'm in there as well. So when someone joins, I get like a notification on my Facebook account or when they leave right, a post. Right. So I, I like that because then I get to see what, when someone makes a post, it's usually something like I saw a UFO in Saskatchewan and it's photos. So I'm like, oh, cool. But I, I saw a post the other day. I'll bring it up on screen for anyone watching who's watching this on the live stream and I'll read it to you. So the the post includes a photo that shows like an alien on like a stairway to heaven or something. The words on, on the post say on the picture say Armageddon equation and below it, it says stargates, aliens and human sacrifice. So it's just I don't know what this picture even means. It's just a bunch of kind of deep, deep conspiracy stuff. But here's where it's interesting. What the poster says in their post is, do you live in Ontario? Are you an Ontario voter? We're seeking support for a UFO disclosure political initiative in relation to the 2022 Ontario election. Please send me a private message if you'd like to help with our official petition efforts. We're seeking to collect a targeted minimum of 4,700 additional signatories who must be Ontario voters, and we're seeking to get on the ballot. So what that tells me is that when I see this post, I say, I think, oh, wow, this group is trying to get into the Ontario election and get on the ballot with a platform that somehow connects to the UFO topic. Uh, so I'm immediately yeah, they want the disclosure of all UFO information that the Ontario government has <laughs> available to it. They're, what they're looking for is a political solution. What I'm hoping that they're looking for is a, a political solution to the UFO problem. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I'm thinking it's going to be described. So what I did was I write to them to the account that posted that because I'm thinking there can't be a lot of people involved in this. It's probably one person. So I write to this person uh, and I say, hey, I'm an admin for this group. I'd love to hear more. And if you're interested in sharing the story, I'd like to have you on my podcast. What they responded is cool. We're seeking to register an Ontario political party that advocates for openness about UFO and alien related issues. Um, it's at then they say, I'm actually just a helper. Our leader is Ray Samuels. And then they give me a link to their website uh, as a way to like, you know, try to point me in the direction of Ray Samuels. So mm -hmm. when I, when I go to their website, um, I'm looking for like a section where they describe their platform. Uh, what I find instead is a ton of stock photos of people giving thumbs up, like their Facebook or their website. If you go look at it, you would think that they have all these young, attractive supporters because there's all these people with their thumbs up, high-fiving, looking great. But when I uh, reverse image searched every photo on their website, it's used on a billion websites you know so it's just a bunch yeah, of just stock photo kind just of a stuff. ton of stock photos of people who are also selling orange juice on other websites kind of thing but the sections well just like as an example oh okay i thought orange like, juice might have been some kind of a ufo term that i'm not privy to no i just mean like it, it'll be like someone with a bright yellow shirt on the beach high-fiving someone and when i reverse image search i see that same thing on like some orange juice stand ad or you know the same photo all mm. over the place um yes okay i get you 
Anyway, and the reason I said orange juice, because that was one, one of them that I reverse image searched led me to an orange juice company somewhere in an, you know, some country I've, I had never heard of. Um, but anyways, uh, when I, I found the section that describes their political platform on their website, nowhere does it mention the UFO topic. What it does do though, is rattles on and on and on and on about COVID and government mandates and masks and vaccinations and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So it seems like that's maybe the majority of their public uh, messaging, but it yeah. didn't stop me from trying to get to the bottom of this Facebook post. So I, I wrote a message to Ray Samuels, who's the leader of the group. And I just wanted to ask him like, what, what do you got going on? What does it have to do with UFOs? And are you interested in talking to me about it? Uh, he agreed. And I saved probably three minutes of my conversation with him and I'll share it with you and you can tell me what you think. And, and I will say okay. I, I removed a lot of it cause he went on a bit longer than we had time for. And he did talk about how his group opposes, um, uh, vaccine passport mandates. I'm not even entirely. Right, right. I, I mm. left that out because I just don't want to make people enraged. Uh, I was more interested in what he had to say about the UFO problem. So let's listen to him. Okay. I, I just kind of wanted to learn a bit about you. Could you like just tell me a bit about who you are and what it is you're trying to do? Okay. So yeah. So it's the um, we uh, our movement is the Ontario People's Front. You know, we are in general a we support the affirmation of human rights, um, environmental protections, freedoms, and a just society for all. So that's our themes. But with respect to um, the issue, the UFO issue, um, our focus is to uh, support um, a safe space for people who are interested, who are concerned about UFO-related topics, to come together and to um, discuss these issues. Um, so that's what our sort of um, our sort of focus politically is. So we are trying to create that safe space, just like how you see in the media, you have programs on ancient aliens and you have various uh, you know, initiatives out there. We're trying to create that sort of corresponding safe space in the political context. Is a part of your plan to change the, the political handling of the UFO issue? Or is it more so to provide people a platform to um, safely discuss these matters? Like, do you, uh, What I'm wondering is if, if you believe that there could be a political answer to this question of, of the existence of extraterrestrials communicating with Earth. Well, I think the, um, the political answer uh, lies fundamentally with people elevating their own sense of self, their own sense of human consciousness. Uh, and once they elevate their sense of human consciousness, then they're in a position to uh, support a society where um, the discussion and openness on UFO and alien matters will be um, handled in a more sort of mature way. But um, mm -hmm. my, um, issue, my concern is that basically the, the, our society is a, is a tissue of lies upon lies upon lies. So talk, for example, going to the supermarket, you know? I mean, from us, as a conscious shopper myself, I don't buy 95% of the thing. I would not buy 95% of the things in the supermarket because I'm aware of their origins. Likewise, if we had disclosure in the supermarket, you know, you would have like aisles where 
you know, you go to chicken and they show you slaughtering of a chicken, slaughtering of a turkey. Oh, by the way, where's that? Where are you getting that cereal? Oh, by the way, what are the additives in there? You know, if you had a supermarket that, you know, that talks about everything that is to need to know about products that are in there, most people wouldn't buy. And then you would have a situation economically where, you know, like people lose their job because people are not buying cereals, people are not buying chicken anymore, et cetera. So there are people definitely in the society which are at the elevated state of consciousness that, they're, they're, that they can discuss alien matters and stuff like that. But that's why in our approach in terms of the Ontario People's Front, we're saying, mm -hmm. okay, for those people already, let's have a safe space to talk about these issues. Now, tell me, as, as someone who's looking to, you know, really kickstart this grassroots movement in a political campaign and try to actually get on the ballot, what's next for you to get the your your party actually on the ballot? Like, what, what hurdles are in front of you? Ontario People's Front, our name is registered. Uh, so uh, we have a we, the reserve. So we're reserves as far as elections Ontario. So the next stage we're at right now is that uh, we're trying to collect, you know, as you mentioned, a certain amount of, uh, as John, you know, in that Facebook post, a certain amount of signatories. Uh, so we invite people, your listeners who are from Ontario, um, if they want to participate in getting our name in the ballot and if they're interested in UFO issues and want, to, want that safe space to talk about that politically, uh, we encourage them to go to our website, ontariopeoplesfront.ca, contact us if they want to sign our petition. We're also uh, inviting candidates, people who want to become candidates uh, in the election as well. We're trying to, we're, our, F, our goal is a full state of 123 candidates across Ontario. I just had, I had to laugh as I was playing that. I saw Donnie who had just called in in the chat he wrote elevate <laughs> yeah. human consciousness those are lofty goals i wonder how doug ford will respond um what do you <laughs> yeah, what do you think of ray's ideas here it sounded like my impression of it is that he's using the ufo approach to probably encourage um to, to kind of gain attention i guess because it seems like his his main issues are with what's in food, um, as <laughs> yeah, opposed based to based on that. Well, he yeah, based on that, what you played, it seemed like he's got a bigger fish to fry with the grocery stores and with uh, <laughs> big cereal than he does with um, the Ontario government revealing UFO documents. Yeah, well, uh, I liked how he he talked about how. Um ancient aliens uh like there's something on tv the ancient aliens it seems like he wants like kind of have like something like the tv show ancient aliens but in the political space and i just try to imagine what that's like and i'm like yeah it seems like maybe you're on to on to that but i think he's more thinking about ancient grains uh the bread that you buy uh, from yeah. dempsters oh that's good stuff um i have a weird story about dempsters i'll tell you right quick when i first moved to halifax um I was at the grocery store with my brother. This was at a superstore on the south end of Halifax. Um, yeah, I used to go to that one when I lived in Halifax. And we were grabbing a couple groceries. So we had like, and again, this is my first time in Halifax. So in my mind, I'm in like the big, scary, dangerous city. Mm. And we were in the bread aisle and grabbing our groceries. And I remember I like reached down to grab bread 
and I just happened to grab Dempster's. It was probably on sale or whatever. It's not like my preference. It's just what I grabbed. And in, I don't remember anyone else around me except my brother and I. And I think I had like the basket in my hand, reaching down, grab the bread. And as I was like kind of lifting myself and the bread up to put it in the basket, I just had like this agonizing pain in my hand. I dropped the bread and I immediately, and I realized that I was hit by something. And there was this like old lady that looked like a stereotypical witch, like just really old. Uh, it didn't look like she was in good health and she was holding her cane. Like it's a weapon. And I realized, and immediately I'm like, oh my God, she just like whacked my hand. And then in this like awful voice that hardly sounded human, it sounded like something out of like a HP Lovecraft book or story or whatever. She just uttered the words. She goes, Dempsters is sour. And I was like, oh, you don't like Dempsters? And she repeated it. Dempsters is sour. And then I grabbed a different type of bread, put it in the basket, and my brother and I walked off like, what was that all about? But she, like, my hand hurt for, like, two or three days after that. Well, you know what that was? I think a witch. What do you think? No, it was the first candidate for the UFO party of Ontario. <laughs> uh, they're called the people's, the Ontario, I, I edited this out, but when I started the interview, I, 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 got their name wrong i said something else and he corrected me with the ontario people's front but yeah that could have been the yeah. first candidate but i i couldn't really understand how the ufo topic fit into their platform it seemed to me like you you got this uh you're you're set on the grocery store analogy that i didn't completely mm. understand but what i got was um it seems like their goal of elevating human consciousness is kind of like they want to run in Ontario and make the effect that they have on the people. We want to like remove all the, the kind of the facade over everything and reveal the truth. So you can discuss matters like the UFO topic or what's in your food. Uh, I guess I, I don't know how, how that works politically. Cause it seems like there's, um, there's a lot more that the government of Ontario needs to deal with rather than elevating human consciousness. But mm. meh, I guess my thought and, and by talking about them and playing that clip, I in no way support this group. I'm only interested simply because if anyone and I say this often, if anyone starts a political party that involves the UFO topic or if you start a cult that in some way involves UFOs or if you commit a crime that relates to UFOs, I don't know what that would be. Um, by default, I'm interested in talking about it. Yeah, I think that's probably um, the thinking behind um, this particular political party. Is Do, you, you, do know, you think it's a marketing thing? Oh, it has to be. UFOs are the hottest they've ever been. Mm -hmm. and, and know, they if I was going to start anything, I would I would throw a UFO sticker on there and say, all right, we're off to the races. <laughs> well, they say uh, they only need 4,700 they call them signatories. I think in order to actually get in the election, you need to have like 4,700 people. Like yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably different province to province maybe, but um, I would say that's, yeah, all you need to get going. And, and, you know, if you think about it, like, yeah, you know, if we, if we kind of reach out to the UFO community first, um, who think that we might actually be able to achieve, you know, getting documents and information released about UFOs uh, in Canada or Ontario or wherever, 
It's specific. And, but material. then the real thing is is getting to the nitty gritty of the arrows that are on the aisles in the grocery stores. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, if you go on their website, it's there's it's so much of it is about COVID in masks or not masks, sorry, vaccinations and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that that seems to be their big they're at least publicly and forward facing their their big Motivation. It just seems that like like they talk about UFOs, but then when they start to get like when you go to the website or when you hear him, then when they start to get riled up, it seems like there's bigger issues that they're looking to tackle. And the UFO thing seems to almost just be like, you know, we'll, it, we'll get to use some general interest in them. Like, yeah, if if we did, you know, conquer Ontario, we would definitely release these documents, but or whatever. <laughs> It is they're in search of. There's another pun for you. Yeah, you are but, good um, at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm filled. I'm filled with puns tonight. Uh, it's the fudgios I ate earlier. Well, I think uh, t- we've gone through, I guess, four or five topics. I think we've done our part, at least for our first uh, mission here, of helping keep Canada weird. Um, there's a lot more weird stories we'll get to. I'm already working on some stuff for next week. So... We'll uh we'll collect um our thoughts from our first rodeo here, but I think next week we're gonna be we'll come in hot with a couple good stories. Yeah, and let's um all go out and donate to the SBCA. Yeah, that's a good way to end this. I think uh, we should mm-hmm. we should do that anyway. I think uh, they're they're doing. Good yeah, work. yeah, I've done it before, but um, you know. Not only donate to SPCA, you should, if you're looking for an animal, get it from the SPCA. Get it like from the rescue. SPCA. Or also just go and walk a dog. Sometimes it's good to just go down and, uh, you know, I don't know if they do that now during COVID though. Um, oh yeah. That you can be something you would do before COVID. You could go down and walk a dog. And um, I, yeah, I'm sure everything's changed with COVID, but they, I know they, yeah, so I'm you, not they sure used to accept the, volunteers and stuff too, but I think yeah. like a, an easy way, if people have the financial means is just to make a donation that, that money is going to go It's a tax, a tax, uh, you know, you can, it's a tax donation so you can claim it on your income taxes as well. Um, another thing too, maybe you can talk on this as we go is like, uh, a lot of people have gotten animals during the pandemic because they're home more. But I think like um, it's important to make sure that you you can handle it and you take care of your animal. Um, mm-hmm. But if if for whatever reason, if something in your life changes that you can't, the SPCA are the people that you turn to. So we should support them. They're 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 we need them in our society. Oh, absolutely, for our yeah, friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right. Well, let's go out with uh, an encouragement for everyone out there do their part in keeping Canada weird. If you come across any cool stories in your town that we may not have heard, uh, I'll have a, a way you can contact us in the episode notes, um, in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you and uh, we'll keep Canada weird together. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I in our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with the listeners of Nighttime. But most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime as without your interest and your support, the show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you plan to take some weight off the show's back, do it by listening on the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll also give you more of each episode than you'll find here on the free feed, as prior episodes are always available and exclusive content is added regularly. 
So for about the price of a cup of coffee, help keep the show alive by listening at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Colin, Bridget, Captain, Susie, and Faye, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it via the premium feed, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode across social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any weird stories you want to share, or if you want to give feedback on this show, you can reach me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact, or find me on social media. I use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and of course, I'm often live on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.